0: Welcome to Truth in Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth in Journalism, we're going to talk about content. So I'm going to read to you from an article that was edited by the Associated Press to a pretty significant degree. The original is no longer available, and the AP has not highlighted or even mentioned that this article has been significantly edited. I'm going to read to you from an earlier version, and I'm only reading the first half of the article, but you can find the new version at the AP website, and it's entitled, China Issues Peace Plan, Zelensky Says He'll Await Details. Beijing AP China called for a ceasefire and peace talks between Ukraine and Russia in a vaguely worded proposal released Friday that analysts said was unlikely to deliver results. Beijing claims to have a neutral stance in the war that began one year ago, but has also said that it has a no-limits friendship with Russia and has refused to criticize its invasion of Ukraine or even refer to it as an invasion. It has accused the West of provoking the conflict and fanning the flames by providing Ukraine with defensive arms. The plan, released by China's foreign ministry, mainly reiterated long-held positions, and analysts said Beijing would be an unlikely broker. It calls for the sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity of all countries to be respected, but does not say what will happen to the territory Russia has occupied since the invasion. It also calls for an end to unilateral sanctions on Russia, indirectly criticizes the expansion of the NATO alliance, and condemns threats of nuclear force. The proposal is an attempt for public relations on the part of China, said Li Mingjiang a professor and international security expert at Singapore's Nanyang Technological University. I'm not convinced that this policy is going to improve their credibility in being an honest broker. Speaking after China issued the paper, but without referring to it, Jana Leshchinska, charge d'affaires at the Ukrainian embassy in Beijing, said... Her country doesn't want peace at any price. We will not agree to anything that keeps Ukrainian territories occupied and puts our people at the aggressor's mercy, Leschinska said in an address to a gathering at the EU mission to China, marking the anniversary of the invasion. There was no immediate official response from Moscow, but Leonid Stulsky, a senior Russian lawmaker, hailed the plan, saying it contains moves that would mark an end of the hegemony of the collective West. In Germany, a major ally of Ukraine, government spokesman Wolfgang Buchner, said the Chinese proposal contained several important points, but was missing a key one. First and foremost, the withdrawal of Russian troops from Ukraine. China abstained Thursday when the UN General Assembly approved a non-binding resolution that calls for Russia to end hostilities in Ukraine and withdraw its forces. In addition to calling for sovereignty to be respected and sanctions against Russia to end, the 12-point paper urges measures to prevent attacks on civilians and civilian facilities, keep nuclear facilities safe, establish humanitarian corridors for civilians, and ensure the export of grain after disruptions pushed up global food prices. It also called for an end to Cold War mentality, China's standard term for what it regards as U.S. hegemony and maintenance of alliances such as NATO. Dialogue and negotiation are the only viable solution to the Ukraine crisis, the proposal said. It offered no details on what form talks should take, but said China will continue to play a constructive role in this regard. Well, friends, it's officially the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and frankly, I'm not sure how to celebrate this anniversary cake, greeting cards, a watch party. Now, I say this, and right away I'm sure I got many of your hackles up. You're disgusted by the idea of having cake to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the largest conventional war on European soil in about 80 years. But what exactly was so offensive about what I said? Because we still, a year later, have blue and yellow flags hanging from homes and businesses and on Twitter bios and Facebook backgrounds. Is that the same as a greeting card? No, not exactly, but in some ways... It's more important because it's more pervasive. As for having a watch party, as though this were a Super Bowl, you you might find that offensive, but why? We're supposed to consume these images, don't you know? That's why we have all these clips of combat circulating on the news and on the internet. So, ah, I see, yep, now I get it. It's totally okay to watch the brutality and horror of Ukrainians and Russians having their lives snuffed out, as long as you do it alone or as a family. But the moment you invite friends over and you have buffalo chicken dip, it's ghoulish. Yeah, that that dog won't hunt. I don't buy that. Now listen, I'm not saying that there's not a difference between dispassionately or even compassionately watching images of war and getting the boys together to root for the Chenkos instead of the Offskies. There is a difference. But it's not a difference that big media in conjunction with big tech supporting the military industrial complex want you to engage in the powerful forces in our society don't want you to view images of war and be disgusted and heartbroken and desirous of a rapid peaceful resolution no You're supposed to see Javelin missiles take out T-90s and get up and cheer as if you were watching Ezekiel Elliott running over a Bama defense or into the end zone against Oregon back in 2014. You're supposed to consume the Russo-Ukrainian war just like you're supposed to consume everything else. You're supposed to sit there and open your brain and let it all get shoved in there. Consume next product. That's why you exist, don't you know? You exist so that you can consume next product, because next product is so much better than previous product or current product. Our minds, our emotions, our souls are bombarded every waking moment of our lives with a ceaseless cannonade of vapid, vacuous, vain, venal, violent, and variable messages that attempt to break down any level of real and meaningful individuality and self-assertion. We are not being inspired to be wise, brave, competent citizens of a free republic. Rather, we are being reduced to Pavlovian response mechanisms, infantilized, idiotized, and monetized to make us nothing but docile, pliant, pliable, and pitiable drudges. The wealthy and powerful do not want you thinking for yourself. They don't want you cultivating a rich inner life. They don't want you gardening, chopping firewood, going for long walks, reading the great books, having meaningful conversations. They don't want you raising nine kids in a small house with beat up old cars and no data plans on your phones. They don't want you to get your kids out of government schools. They don't want employees who will refuse to get the jab or wear the mask. They don't want people who love and long for the good, the true and the beautiful. No, they hate those people. They hate those people and they want you to hate them. And if they can't get you to hate them, then they at least need you to think that they're psychotics or religious nuts. I mean, who would want to contemplate the transcendentals when there's now new product to consume? Who would want to spend their limited resources on the legacy and heritage of children when you could have the newest iPhone instead? Why read Shakespeare or Thackeray? Why listen to Tchaikovsky or Beethoven? Why go to the opera or the ballet or the theater when there are TikTok videos? Why would anyone need silence when there's a whole world of deafening, mind-numbing, soul-destroying noise out there? A ceaseless din of sound, slightly more coherent than static, that can act as a soporific or even a narcotic, relieving you of the responsibility to contemplate your own existence? Why consider the reality and responsibility of being a free moral agent in a fallen world created by a loving God when you can be monetized and data-mined instead? Why wrestle with your children or talk with your friends or pray with your church or hold your wife's hand when instead... You can stare at a screen measured in square inches. Why be a person when you can be a consumer? Now, you might be thinking, Okay, Lukey Poo, you sound like a smug elitist here. Okay? Don't care. I don't care if I sound like an elitist, frankly, in our society, I wear that as a badge of honor. I take it as a point of personal accomplishment that in a nation of zombified consumers of intellectual sewage, I have the good taste and the good sense to say the obvious truths. Hamlet is better than Harry Potter. Bach is better than Bruno Mars. Schaut Cathedral is better than Corbusier. Enrico Caruso is better than Cardi B. Borishnikov is better than Lizzie Howell, Charles Wesley is better than Chris Tomlin, Bernini is better than Banksy. I don't care if I sound like an agrarian idealist. Frankly, in our society I wear that as a badge of honor. I take it as a point of personal accomplishment that in a nation of promiscuous baby murdering man children and women children, that I have the wisdom to know and say the obvious. Children are better than childlessness. Big families are better than small. Rurality is better than urbanity. Homes are better than apartments. Marriage is better than friends with benefits. Walks in the woods are better than video games. Dogs, cats, cattle, pigs, chickens, horses, orchards, and gardens are better than DoorDash. Time spent with children and grandchildren and parents and siblings is better than time spent working for a faceless corporation. I don't care if I sound like a religious nut. Frankly, in our society, I wear that as a badge of honor. I take it as my bounden duty that in a nation of depraved, Satan-worshipping, porn-addled, drug-addicted, godless fools, I proclaim a Christ who died to pay for sinners such as us. Jesus is better. He's better than everything and anything, and our nation needs Jesus. Friends, right about now, you might be thinking, okay, Luke. You devilishly handsome, silver-tongued wordsmith, you. That's all brilliant and true, and I totally agree with everything you say, but what on earth does this have to do with China and Russia being super best friends? Well, friends, you see, all day, every day, you're being subjected to psychological warfare. The powerful interests in this world are deeply interested in conditioning you to think feel and behave in certain ways. They have a significant vested interest in ensuring that you are very deeply, earnestly concerned about which group of roided-up millionaires push a leather ball past a painted grass line, but not quite so concerned with the centralization and accumulation of power. They want you very deeply, earnestly worried about which CGI comic book hero in a CGI world can use CGI weapons to defeat CGI enemies to get the CGI MacGuffin to stop the CGI apocalypse, but they don't want you worried about whether children are being sexualized and subjected to Munchausen syndrome and Munchausen syndrome by proxy. They want you worried about whether Megan Rapinoe gets paid the same amount for playing soccer as people who are orders of magnitude better than her at playing soccer and not worried about collapsing literacy rates and mathematics scores. They want you worried about pronouns and dead naming, and not worried about train derailments. They want you worried about SUVs and ignoring private jets. They want you thinking about bottled water and ignoring the desertification we caused by poor water management. They want you to root for the people they say are the good guys so that they can use that popular mandate to enrich themselves and gain more power. I'm not saying Russia's right. I think Russia's wrong. But just because Russia's wrong doesn't make the U.S. or the West right. Just because Russia is wrong doesn't mean that the West hasn't been bear baiting for decades. Just because Russia is wrong doesn't mean the U.S. isn't more interested in selling weapons to Ukraine, selling gas to Europe, and marginalizing Russia and China than the health, welfare, safety, and security of the Ukrainian people. Just because Putin did a bad thing doesn't make us right. Just because we're not Putin. As the old saying goes, it takes two to tango, and you don't need to be a Putin stooge to say that while his invasion was wrong and evil, it's not as though the history and politics of this whole thing are clear and simple. But that's what powerful interests want you to think, if and when they want you thinking at all, which is rarely. They want you to think in simple, uncomplicated, and politically advantageous ways. Now, the simple and uncomplicated is easy. Americans have been undergoing intellectual programming for decades, and at this point I doubt that the average American could logic their way out of a wet paper sack. But as for thinking in ways that are politically advantageous to the powerful and elite, well, that takes some doing. When you turn your population into a gigantic baseball bat, it's going to be a blunt instrument no matter who uses it. It just ain't going to be useful in brain surgery. The problem is who gets to wield it which demagogue will get to swing the lumber that is the American public. Frankly, I care a lot about who gets to swing it. But that's not my primary concern. Because if I had my druthers, nobody but nobody would be making hay out of our sunshine. If I had my way, this country would be a nation of careful-thinking wise, contemplative, sober, compassionate, and moral people who then exercise their political will in such a way. But there's only one way to have a nation like that. Christ. Christ is the only way to have a nation like that because only a nation that loves God will be a nation fit for freedom. Only a nation that loves Christ will be a nation that has freedom. If you want to just be a consumer, if you just want to be content with content, then go ahead, keep consuming new content, keep living a godless life, keep just being told to eat the bugs and drink the vinyl chloride, you'll be fine. If that's the life you want, then you can have it. And there's going to be nobody that's going to try to stop you. Well, except me and a few other weirdos. But if you want to be free, if you want to be free to think for yourself, if you want to be free to live life on your own terms, if you want to be free to contemplate the good, the true, and the beautiful, if you want to be free to not be a slave to those who would enslave you, there is one and only one solution, and that is Christ. Only a nation that loves God will be a nation fit for freedom. And only a nation that loves Christ will be a nation that has freedom. Christ will set you free. I hope and pray that he has. I hope and pray that he will. And I hope and pray that you'll join us again next time for another exciting episode of Truth and Journalism. Thank you. And may God bless your day. See his glory.